Hello and welcome back to the Futurista podcast, career advice for Gen Z girls. In case you are new to the podcast, here's a little about us. It is our mission here at Futurista to inspire teens and help them discover their dream careers. We do this through the stories and mentorship of today's role models. I'm Olivia, a Gen Z girl, joined by Polina, a millennial. Hi there. We will be your hosts today. This week, we're interviewing Sivan Aldor Neumann, mom of two, VP of data science and engineering, and a powerhouse leader. We're going to talk with Sivan about her background and career, her own support system, the day-to-day of her role, and how she got there. We think you'll love her advice and outlook on life and hope you'll feel bolder, braver, and ready to take on the world after listening. I especially love this episode because I was lucky to have worked with Sivan for over two years. And she's definitely among the most interesting and empathetic people I have ever worked with. I have learned so much from her, and I'm sure you will too. Let's jump in and meet Sivan. My name is Sivan, and I am a mother of two boys, Omri and Lior. And my professional life, beyond being a mother, I am a VP of data science and data engineering in a company called Wellio that's uh, working on food technology solutions. Sivan, tell us please about growing up and some of the things that made you who you are today. I grew up in Israel uh, in a town called Ranana, uh, which is near Tel Aviv. And I have two brothers an older one and a younger one, and which meant that I was a tomboy uh, by nature. I was a geek, kind of like from, didn't have a lot of choices in that matter. They were both into Star Wars, and as a result of it, I had to be into Star Wars, apparently. Pretty early on, was interested in other things that they were not. So I learned uh, dancing, so I did ballet and modern jazz, all of those things, many hours of the week, and I loved it, but I also joined the Israeli scouts and I was a scout leader and I kind of had my parents say that I was always an organizer. I was always organizing things and organizing people and kind of had those skills uh, very early on in life. I had a really nice childhood. I loved my friends and I loved my family and it was a pretty nice childhood minus, you know, living in Israel brought its own set of challenges when I was a child. So there was you know, the Gulf War, there was kind of these kind of events. Uh, there was a period in time where we couldn't go on buses because there were bombing buses. So that was not the most fun experience in life. Uh, so there were definitely challenges growing up in Israel, but I didn't, it was sort of, that was reality. So I just, I feel I had a good childhood, even though those moments happened. When I turned 18, I joined the military, just like all the Israelis or most Israelis. And um, ended up being uh, our kind of a anti-tank missile instructor. It sounds really Rambo, but it's not not quite Rambo. But um, that was a really cool period in life. It was cha- very challenging. I'm not really a person that takes orders well, and so being in the military, it's the only way to do things. It's it, a, a very order-based organization and hierarchical in nature and I I never had to follow any orders I was never in this type of organization before so it was a very odd experience at the beginning and it was very difficult to adjust 
But once I sort of adjusted, I really did enjoy it a lot. I got to meet a lot of people. I got to try out things I'd never done. I was an instructor and I um, was in simulators and I so enjoyed it. It was just a, a tremendous challenge to work with the different soldiers. And my personality really developed in the military, really. Thank you so much for sharing that. I just realized that your childhood and how you were raised say so much about your personality and how I know you today, being a strong but also soft and empathetic leader. Your childhood in Israel is definitely such a unique and profound story. Continuing on, what is something that has shaped you into who you are today? I think growing up in Israel made a difference for me because I, you know, you grow up in a society where you see people go to the military and you hear of people dying in the military when they're 18 and 19 and you know them like my cousin, my cousin died in a helicopter accident in the military. Um, you know, you're huge. You learn to prioritize what's important in life really early on. Like, um, so it did shape me. Like I'm, I'm very action oriented as a human being because I don't focus on the future. Like the long-term future doesn't, I don't care about that because very early on in life, I learned that you may not be there for that long. So you better live your life the way you want it now. You know, you don't look 50 steps out. You look one step and two steps and you just like, just want to optimize for those steps. And so definitely that shaped me a lot. Wow. And what about people who shaped you throughout life? There were people who sort of uh, really changed me, I think. Um, my husband, I met him really early when I was 18. I was fire. He's the opposite. He's very calm. He's very centered. Um, he has a giant calming effect on me. Um, and he has been by my side every time I had a big decision and he's always pushing me. Like I remember getting accepted to Wharton and I was like, Oh, it's Philadelphia. Who wants to move to Philadelphia? Like I didn't want to move to Philadelphia and I don't need this PhD. I didn't really want a PhD. And he looked at me and he said, Oh no, no, no. You're going to regret saying that. So we're not doing that. We're, we're definitely not giving up on this. Um, and he's like, I, we're going to do this. So, and he's done that in numerous occasions, uh, you know, changing jobs, supporting me to going to a tiny startup, um, having kids. He's very, very, very supportive. I'd say he is a giant influence. Some of the professors that I had during undergrad uh, were very encouraging in terms of shaping my career and my interests and pushing me to try different avenues in academia that I didn't even know I, I was good at. Um, so they've definitely been part of the journey. My manager, who's been my only manager, he knows how to push me and then also how to let go. Like I've been with the same manager for eight years now. It's not like he's always perfect, but he's certainly very much a person who pushes me and makes me want to be better. I became a manager for lots of people. And over time, these people, some of them stick around with me and they believe in me so much that I'm like, damn it, there must be somewhere there. Like if they believe in me, I must, <laughs> I must be doing something right. Right. And, 
And there, there's definitely people that I manage either today or managed in the past that keep a really good bond with me. And their level of belief in me is incredibly energizing. And then there's people like my mom, who's just always like, she's always been a career woman, everything I remember. And God, she has like, I don't know, she worked for 50 years and she's amazing and humble. And I was always like, okay, well, this is normal. Like a woman should have a career and it's normal. And like, she's the one between her and my dad. I always felt like all doors are always open to me, no matter what. And it's just a matter of me uh, figuring out which ones I want to go into. It was never a doubt in my mind that I can't open a door. It was more like, which ones should I open? Which ones are interesting? Which ones will be things that I want to do? Um, but they've created, they've always been like, you can do everything. And they've been this way ever since I was a little girl. So I, I think they shaped me this way when I was little. Your support system sounds so uplifting. I love it. As an almost 16-year-old myself, I feel like I'm definitely a role follower and a little scared to take risks. Who were you at 16? I was a little, I was confident, but I was a little timid. There was a moment, like there were moments that I was scared, um, that I was scared to try something new. So definitely timid in some, some situations. Social, but, um, but picky. So not everyone was a friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I only wanted certain people. I, I was never a person that had many friends. I always had like a small set that I loved. Um, so I'm all about deep interactions. How have you changed since then? Who are you now? I am brave. I am assertive. I think there's a difference between confidence and assertive. I'm much more assertive. How would you describe assertive? What is the difference? I think it's the next step after confident. So I think you can be confident in who you are and still not be assertive to others. Because assertion is something that you're assertive about, not just your own actions, but sometimes about other people's actions. And I think when I was younger, I could be confident in what I say and how I behave, but I wasn't assertive enough. I wasn't confident enough to say, okay, well, let's generalize to other people. Let's give advice to other people, mm-hmm. things like that. Now I'm assertive. I can manage other people. I can, you know, it's not just that I'm confident in my decisions. I'm also confident in making decisions for other people, um, mm-hmm. giving advice that I think it's like, yeah. So, mm-hmm. so it's, a, it's the next level of confidence, I guess. I'm definitely much more calm. There's something about my boys and something that I want to become better at, but they, they bring a whole set of different, consideration into life. So there's something really important for me that I can, you know, find my balance, prioritize myself in the world. You know, when you're 16, your world is just you. So it's very easy to prioritize yourself, but then you start having responsibilities. It's very hard. It's easier to lose yourself. And my mom, great example, but she never prioritized herself ever. Even today, she doesn't do that. So I am much more calm and centered and know how to prioritize myself in life, I think, now than I did before. Love that advice, Vaughn. Now pivoting more into your career path, what did you desire to be throughout life? I was, you know, this is kind of like my personality, right? I I didn't. 
I never thought about what would I do when I grow up. Like, it's really funny. Probably when I was really young, it was a, you know, a dancer because I was dancing and it was sort of in my preview and I loved it. And I always loved being on stage and, you know, a show and like, I always loved that. Um, but I remember after the military, I had to like make a decision what I'm going to study. And I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I want to do. And my father was the one who said industrial engineering. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> What the hell is that? Um, so uh, I studied that and midway through it, uh, I think I realized that I want, like my dream was to become a lecturer, like a, a professor. Because I really love the teaching. I really love teaching. I still love teaching. So probably at some point in the 20s, I, I, the, the dream was a professor. Mm-hmm. That dream really got shattered when I got to my PhD. <laughs> it's clear that I'm not good enough to be a professor. I don't know like, what my dream is now. Like, it's always really good question. I think, yeah, my dream is someday to have my own, my own company that that does something good in the world. I think that's the po- the point that's really important for me. That's like doing good. There's enough companies that doing they're doing convenience. Want to do good. That's the dream now. Sivan, it would be awesome if you could share with us the best advice that you have ever received in your life. Oh, I know. Deborah. I had a coach. She was fabulous. She told me once something that really changed me. We talked about being blunt, I remember. And, I, and she said, you're not blunt. You're direct and you're caring, but you're not blunt. Blunt is people who want to hurt the person in front of them. And you are the opposite. You will do everything you can not to hurt the person in front of you. Um, And so her advice was you need to continue being direct and transparent and the way you are and amplify it because you're empathetic. You're not blunt. And she's like, you need to stop saying you're blunt. Um, and uh, that was fabulous because I was like, at that point, I, when someone, if I've, you know, afterwards I would get feedback from people like, oh, that was very blunt. And I would say, no, that's direct. That's not blunt. Um, and so it, it really did change me and how I handle these moments. And the other one was emotional. Like how to handle your emotions. And the advice I got was take your emotions with you into the room. Don't, don't leave them out. It's okay to be emotional. And I really love it because I'm a passionate human being. It's very hard for me to be stoic. I'm never going to be stoic. It's just not my style. And so learning how to take my emotions with me and carry them into meetings and to my day-to-day life is um you know it's got its challenges but it certainly allows me to be more effective and impactful i think oh my gosh i definitely need a deborah in my life right now how did you get your start in data science i was a ta uh, <laughs> so i was a teaching assistant for statistics it was so much fun i loved it i had a, you know classes that I would teach every week for several times and um, I was kind of a super geek so I would prepare 
and know exactly what I should say and be very nervous about everything. But I also really cared. So I would do office hours and extended office hours. And then I would do extended, extended office hours. I was a mama bear from day one uh, as a professional. And um, I think by my second semester, they promoted me to be kind of the head of the TAs. And I not just was in charge of my own material, but sort of coordinating across other people's. I really loved it. And, you know, they would email me. I would be super communicated, like weekends, weekdays, whatever they needed, I would be there. Statistics was not the most fun one for most people. So I acknowledge that. And then uh, within my third semester, uh, one of the professors in machine learning approached me and asked if I want to be his TA. And that was super cool because um, I was got promoted to be the machine learning <laughs> teaching assistant. And that was when things became really fun because he was very open to suggestions. He was very open to me making changes to the curriculum and to the way that the material was conveyed. And I learned machine learning really in depth at that point. So now please help us understand why did you decide not to be a professor? When I got to my PhD and I saw kind of the academic setting, it became very clear to be very fast. And the reason was that, A, there were not a lot of women. There was only one woman in like a faculty of 20-something men. And even student-wise, there were not a lot of women. I mean, for a year, for two years, I think I was the only female student. Um, I was like, yeah, I don't want to be the token woman in a statistics department with a mm-hmm. bunch of men. Um, so that was one consideration. The other one was that um, I really didn't like writing papers. And so I was like, okay, this is my job. That sucks. And then the third one was um, I realized I wouldn't be able to utilize some skills that I knew I had, like leadership skills is not something, you know, there's some in academia opportunities to do it, but it's a very tenure-based organization and process. And so, you know, I wanted to manage people. I wanted to lead. I could see managers of the department and had nothing to do with their skills. Zero. Like, Mm -hmm. it was all just because they've been the longest in the department. So the lack of women, the day-to-day job, uh, the fact that I wouldn't be able to stretch those skills that I knew I had really didn't leave a lot of choice. So I, I kind of figured it out on second year of PhD. I do love coaching a lot. Um, so like teaching is very formal, right? There's like a material, mm-hmm. you have to teach it. Um, there's something really satisfying when you explain what uh, the central limit theorem is to someone. Like it is actually quite rewarding where you're like, see they're like, oh, got it. I teach, but uh, A, it's more coach. Like there's, it's, the material is not scripted. So you can't, there's no like right or wrong when you coach someone. You make a lot of uncertain decisions. It's, it's a little different style of teaching. And there's something very satisfying in the kind of true academia sense of teaching mm-hmm. for me. I miss it. Mm-hmm. I certainly miss it. Like in academia, you'll talk about these minutiae sometimes that are not interesting, but interesting for you, but not interesting to anyone in the world. Um, And there's math and it's, I love math. It's so logical, so reasonable, so not human. Um, So I love it. Uh, At work, there's, 
you teach, but it's a lot less logical and you teach very fundamental stuff at work. You teach about what is statistics? Like, what is this, what does this result mean? It's very fundamental. It's very important, but it's not at the same level of conversation and and people's interest in understanding are you know in academia they're motivated to understand better in uh, the business world the motivations are very very different while being a professor was not for her savan was able to apply her leadership and data skills in the world of food technology tell us about your role in the day-to-day i uh manage many people so there's several aspects to it. Um, the role has the personnel management, so you know, talking to people, helping them uh, deal with difficult situations with other people. So I manage managers as well. So it's helping them learn how to become effective managers themselves. There's also I guide you know people who are early on in their careers. So that's more about coaching and training them and helping them figure out how to grow, what skills to develop, what, you know, like a mentoring and coaching kind of thing. So there's aspects of that that I really love in my job. I really do. That Those are like the best. Um, but I also do technical work. So I, you know, I'm a data geek. So I'll write SQL queries and I'll do dashboards and I'll write Python code and I'll deploy models. And I don't care getting my hands dirty and all these things. I love them. Um, and I'll have technical geeky conversations with all my peers about what works, what doesn't. Oh, show me this model. Show me that model. Show me this data. Let's talk about this engineering effort. Um, so those are geeky conversations that I really love. Um, and then I have all sorts of weird hats, like smaller hats, but they're but they exist. So uh, I'm part of a leadership team. So there's conversation about strategy and business and all of those things. Um, it's a lot of meetings. It's a lot of meetings. My life is a lot of meetings, but I like it because it makes me feel like I'm bringing some value and impacting people. So that's okay. I don't mind a lot of meetings if they have a good outcome. Sivan, what would you tell girls who are thinking about going into data science? This is becoming easier. I actually think that um, this is kind of a nice thing about data science. It's it's a new it's a new field enough that it's not established like you know engineering is such an established path forward you got to go to engineering school and you got to do these things and got to have these credentials and that's how you become an engineer um data science is not at all that way it's like we have people with no academic background and a lot of academic background and people who come from this background and that background and it's all over the place right now. It's completely open field. So I'd say, I mean, I'm sure over time this will change, but as of now, there's a lot less barriers to women to go into data science. Experience is a really powerful thing in, in, in entering this space. So you can just do that. Um, but if you want to be a good data scientist, then uh, yes, having some academic background it doesn't have to be a PhD at all. It could be just an undergrad. It's totally fine. But that gives you good foundational mathematic background, and then you can you can be very powerful uh, in the world. And the and data science is also a space where there's a lot of demand and not a lot of supply. So that means that if you're a good data scientist, you're going to have a lot of 
you know, a lot of recruiters pinging you and asking you, can you talk to us? Can you join our team? So it's, it's a good field for women, I feel like, because it's not so structured. I absolutely love it. Do you have any other advice or thoughts you'd like to leave us with? Well, there's a couple, a couple of things. One is that what you are today is not what you're going to be in the future, and that's fine. So just because you haven't done something doesn't mean you can't do it. That's really important. Um, until you try it, you can't actually assess that you can or cannot do it. Uh, leadership is a skill you develop over time. Uh, very rarely you're born like a true leader with all the knowledge and like, no, it doesn't work that way, not truly. For me, knowing to say, well, I don't know this and asking for help, you know, teach me is great. I love it. I love going to my team and saying, okay, I don't understand that. Tell me, explain it to me because it's a moment for learning and I love learning. So saying, I don't know something is not equivalent to saying I'm an idiot or, you know, oh my God, like I'm ashamed that I don't know this. It's the opposite. It's an opportunity to learn. And so you should grab every opportunity you have to learn from others and take more breaks. Life is very fast. And there's like, it feels when you're 16 and 12 and 18, you feel like you, all these things that you have to do but honestly you don't some people do but I had very little responsibility in retrospect so uh, enjoy like really enjoy that try things like dancing try coding try science try you know skateboarding try surfing try it all like just enjoy the ride you don't have to know where you're going and you don't need to know these decisions will come, you will make them, but you don't have to know them now. Like don't, it's fine. At 16, you should just enjoy life. You should not know exactly where you're going. What an episode. We're so grateful for Savan's insight and directness. Remember, direct and assertive, not blunt. We hope you enjoyed this episode and have learned a bunch of valuable things you can apply in your daily life. Check out our social channels at BeFuturista to learn more about Sivan and be part of our community. And sign up to our email list at BeFuturista.com to be the first to know about new episodes and updates to our platform and ambassador program. If you've loved the podcast, it would be awesome if you could subscribe, review, or share with your friends. We appreciate you. Until next time.